On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. I've actually been working on a few projects, and this is just the one that came to fruition first. And these were a bunch of songs I'd written a few years ago, and I'd, I always wanted to do a record that was uh, more atmospheric. It certainly it had isn't. one tone and atmosphere to it that just carried through. You know, those kind of records that you just put on, they have something um, almost comforting to them, you know. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. With me, as always, is my brother Travis. And today we are covering Beck's 2002 release, Sea Change. Um, Travis, I know you haven't really paid too much attention to this album. Um, you feel like you may have pressed play on track one and then just kind of gave up on it. I wouldn't say gave up. I, I just never got beyond track one because I like track one. I recognize track one. Was that yeah. was that a single? Maybe that's why I know it. No. no? So um, that was our intro as well. The song's called Golden Age. Um, and yeah, it's track one on the album. Um, so without diving into it too much here, Sea Change is Beck's breakup album, and there's just something special about this record, dude. Um, before we dive into the history and, and get way into it, uh, let's go ahead and do our What You Hurts. Um, this is where we share a song uh, from an artist that we either discovered or revisited over the last week in between recordings. Uh, just a way to share some more music with you every week. So let's start with you, Trev. What you got for us this week, brother? What you heard? Okay, so uh, I first listened to the song when it came out as a single, um, but it's it's a little song by Modest Mouse. And uh, who's that? I think we all remember Modest Mouse from. Uh, I mean, I th- I would say their heyday was was back in the early O's, right? Right with. Um... Good news for people who like bad news. I think was the name of the album. And yeah, and that had, had the song uh, "Float On." Yeah, that's that's what skyrocketed. Yeah, him. yeah, and that was man. That was that was when you and I were in the thick of music, man. As far as like, yep, that was our that was a perfect age for us to to get into music. That was, um, you know, we were what seventeen, so like we yeah, were dude. in it, and this was the kind of stuff that we were. All about man, indie rock, alt yeah. rock. Um, yeah, by that time we were listening to our like we were discovering brands on our own and and getting into artists and, and music without any influence from our parents or our older brother. You know. Yeah, that's right. Um, did you know that Modest Mouse is from Washington? Yeah, they're from Ithaca. We'll say that again. Ithaca. Nope, man! I <laughs> swear, it's a, dude. because I, it's, it's a okay, let me say something here real dude. quick. Let me say something real quick here, dude. I'm looking at the word Issaquah right now, uh-huh. and I'm I see the two S's in there, Issaquah. Okay, but I swear, man, anytime I've heard you pronounce it, I've heard you say it with like a th, Issaquah. No, dude. God damn, never. All right, well, I was just trying to pronounce it like I thought I've heard you say it because <laughs> you're from so, Washington. Um, Sarah actually works in Issaquah, dude. Did you know that? That's where she works. Yeah, I mean, I know I've, I've, I I know that name for a reason. But anyway, I, I think I feel like um, the lead singer Isaac Brock is his name. He has such a uh, unique like delivery to to the way he uh, he sings, and uh, you know, he's one of those those singers that like 
he's instantly recognizable. You know what I mean? Like you always know when you're hearing a Modest Mouse song, right? Yeah. And let's say for sure, like the, there's no doubt we're going to do, uh, we'll probably do multiple full length episodes on a Modest Mouse album, dude. There's like, there's no way we're not going to. Yeah, sure. There's so many great albums from this band. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so what do you got for us? This is their their newest album and came out in 2015. The name of the album is called Strangers to Ourselves. The name of the song that we're going to play today is called The Ground Walks with Time in a Box. another solid modest mouse song i just man. love it man it just just the intensity that the song starts with man i love that and the lyrics man dude let me just read you some of these lyrics i love this shit he says um the world's an inventor with its work crawling running squirming around trees drop colorful fruits directly into our mouths the world's an inventor we're the dirtiest thing it's thought about and we really don't mind. Oh, that's great, man. And then down here, dude, uh, the verse four, the world composes with his shirt tails wrinkled hanging out. Bang us together, see what sort of sounds we make right now. The world plays music, playing skin on teeth inside of the mouth. What sort of sounds, what lovely sounds come about. I just love the imagery of the world composing with his shirt tails hanging out, you know, like one of those like crazy composers, you know. I just love the imagery. Yeah. I love the imagery. Yeah, and like the the first lyrics that you read. Yeah. You know, like the world the world provides all this stuff for us. Yeah, and we're the and we're the dirtiest thing that it's thought about. I love that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, that's man. Cool. Um and you know, I was gonna say, like I feel like Modest Mouse um recycles a lot of their uh melodies and 
stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm not mad about it because, you know, their lyrics are just so great. And yeah, are you, you saying you know, are you saying you were you were reminded of some some of their stuff with that guitar riff? A lot of it. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't place what song I'm thinking of because you know they've been around forever and they're so prolific. Yeah. But I don't. I'm not mad about it. You know, it's probably it's Mouse. yeah. It's probably Isaac Brock's uh, guitar playing because he. Yeah, you know, singer he and also his melodies, his his lyrical, you know, yeah, like, the way that he, rhythm and yeah, everything. the way that he phrases things and the way that he like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, cool. All right, so my what you heard for this week is going to get us into the headspace for Sea Change, uh, and this actually is an album that I listened to last week. Um, do you know the artist Bill Withers? I feel like I've heard the name familiar with him. Yeah, I've heard the name. I'm, I'm not familiar with his music though. So, uh, I got into him through uh, the TV series The Wire on HBO. I heard his song uh, Use Me Up on the first episode of The Wire. Um, that's the first time I heard one of his songs and I fell in love with it. And um, I think I mentioned earlier, I am uh, subscribed to the Vinyl subreddit. And dude, I'm telling you. I'm discovering really great albums through this subreddit. Um, you know, just vinyl junkies like ourselves, uh, you know, they share, hey, this is what I'm spinning tonight or whatever. Um, and one of the albums that I that I, I saw on that subreddit, it's called Just As I Am. It's Bill Withers' debut album. So this guy is a kind of smooth soul R&B singer. Um, again, this is his debut album. Uh, it's got the song Ain't No Sunshine. I know you've heard that, dude. Yeah. That's Bill Withers wrote that song, dude. That's that's Bill Withers. Ain't no sunshine. So he goes way way back then. Yeah, this is, came out in 1971. Okay. Um yeah. So the song I'm playing today for my what you heard, it is the first track on side B. It's called Hope She'll Be Happier, and I'll just let it speak for itself. Yeah, man, his uh, his vocals just sucker punch you almost, you know. It's fucking beautiful because like dude. the song is like this, you know, the the acoustic is very like soft and gentle, and then he just hits you, you know, right right off the rip, you know. And the lyrics are so pretty, man. Like I'm I'm not even gonna pull them up and read them word for word, but like you know, the whole idea, like obviously he's singing to someone that he was you know very close to or someone that he was in a relationship with. Things didn't work. They broke up. Um, I almost feel like it's it's like one of those things where, you know, and this is a trope in a lot of movies uh, where two people that, that, you know, split up, meet back up again after a few months or whatever and kind of check in with each other, see how they're doing. And he's like, you know, maybe it's because it's such a late hour of day. You know, I'm, I'm maybe maybe I'm coming across as a bit more bluer than I am. You know, like I'm, I'm doing okay. I promise. You know, I just, I hope that you're happier with him. You know, like I hope you're happier in this new relationship. Yeah, sure. 
It's it's great, man. Such a beautiful song. Um, and the album's great too, man. It, it's got a really a, a lot of really great songs on here, dude. Again, this is uh, Bill Withers' debut album from 1971. It's called Just As I Am. And I think it's time to get into some sea change, brother. So, Beck. Everyone knows Beck, right? Yeah, I feel like I feel he's... Like especially, especially people in our, you know, around our age group. You know, Beck's been been around since any of us gave a shit about music. L- let me tell you why uh, he is still super relevant right now. Uh, so, as you know, I'm assuming you know, the Lego movie uh, just came out with a sequel, right? Yeah. Uh, Beck is the credits song. He did the song for the credits. And he, te- he teamed up with The Lonely Island. As in what? Andy Samberg and those other dudes, and the other yeah. And the so other they're guys. they're they're singing. I think I think Beck sings too, but uh, those cool. guys also sing on the track. So there you go. Like it's kind of crazy to think about um, that that you know Beck. I mean, obviously he won. You know, he won a Grammy a, a few years back with um, with that other. Was album. that for Morning Phase? Yeah, Morning Phase. Um, yeah, so that one that that album came out in 2014. The thing about Morning Phase and Travis, um, I know you haven't listened to Sea Change, but let me tell you, Morning Phase borrowed from the feels and vibes of Sea Change. Well, can you really say that he bar like you know it's it's all back, so it's you know, but right, he, he just but, has okay, such a wide just range. Say he, you know? he, yeah, I'll just say he uh, Beck revisited that like the feelings and yeah. the emotions and, and vibes when he did morning phase. Yeah. He's got a, he's got such a wide, um, you know, toolkit, you know, available to him as far yeah. as like, like there's, there's nothing he won't do. Cause after morning phase, he did like a rap album almost like a pop album, you know? It's yeah. His latest album is, is called colors. It came out in 2017 and yeah, dude, it's just a straight up pop album yeah which makes um, sense i yeah, mean if, if you're if you know if you're back and you just did morning phase you know yeah when mix it up a little bit yeah and so and and before morning phase um shit dude he went six years without releasing an album the album that came out before morning phase is called modern guilt an album that he did with uh danger mouse which i'm sure you've heard of danger mouse mm-hmm. uh aka brian burden um, that's another one of my favorite albums of his, Modern Guilt. Um, but yeah, so Beck's all over the place, and that's that's what makes Beck who he is. Um, I, he's one of those artists that like. So we talk about this a lot on this podcast. A lot of times, artists kind of start to like, I don't know, uh, stray away from their original sound. I guess right. Yeah. I mean, for for whatever reason, for be, because of um, record label influence uh, and pressures from record labels, or for whatever reason, and sometimes it's so much so that you don't even recognize the art, the the band, and and it's in a way that you you no longer care about them. You know, like like Kings of Leon. We've talked about them before. We did a whole episode on Kings of Leon. Beck is one of those artists, and we we talk about Spoon a lot on this uh, podcast as well as one of those uh, another one of these artists where they're constantly changing, but they're always they always remain true to who they are. Beck is Beck is one of those artists for me. Um, I feel like Sea Change is exactly that. So prior to Sea Change, you know what what put uh, Beck on the map was his. Um, album Mellow Gold, which came out in '94, that had Loser on it. Everyone knows Loser, right? Mm-hmm. Should we play some Loser? I mean, we can if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Spray paint. 
I mean, that was a fucking anthem, dude, for the early 90s, you know? Like the slacker uh, grunge culture, you know, that was coming around in the 90s. That was it, man. Yeah, and, and then, like he's, dude, like we say, I mean, that's track one on his on his first album, you know? Not his first, technically not his first album, but his first mainstream, like, big That release. was his first big single, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you had um, Odele, which came out in 96. It had tracks like Where It's At, Devil's Haircut, The New Pollution. Dude. Dude. I love that album. So fucking good, man. We should do a full yeah. length on that maybe if we ever get around to oh, it. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, absolutely. But hey, you know what? Those three songs we're not going to be able to do because those are singles. But yeah, so Beck had already you know established himself, you know, made a name for himself by this point. And here's what goes down, dude. So right before he turned 30, his uh, girlfriend at the time, well, I'm sorry, his fiance, her name is Leigh Lemon. They had been together for nine years and she broke up with him. This was right after he finished a tour for his album Midnight Vultures. She dumps his ass and he is in a just a dark fucking place, dude. She left him for some guy in a band called Whiskey Biscuit, some L.A. band. Dude, don't even bother listening. I, I tried getting through one song from Whiskey Biscuit. Terrible. So she, <laughs> so, she fucked up. I think so. I guess it depends um, on the reasons. It doesn't but, matter. Uh, you know what, dude? Hey, maybe she's happier with Whiskey Biscuit, dude. I don't, I don't know anything about this person. Who knows? Well, let's just say but think about- he... It's she didn't she didn't uh, dump him because he had better music is what you're saying, <laughs> right, right, right. So imagine, you know, turning thirty is a big deal, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, imagine you're about to turn thirty. A girl that you've been with for nine years breaks up with you, and you find out that she's been cheating on you with this other fuckhead and and another band. Yeah, it, you know it's it's not it's not great. I hear you. It's not great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and apparently, uh, the majority of the songs on Sea Change were written in one week's time. Wow. So you know he just was in this headspace, and he just kind of spilled his guts on on paper, you know. Um, but then he shelved it and uh, didn't do anything with it for a few years so did he just write write lyrics basically and then never actually sat down to to compose anything is that what you're saying or, or did he actually so, write these songs like the, the melodies and everything and then shelved it i'm not sure about melodies and all that but mm-hmm. what i do know is that at the time of him writing these songs he didn't feel like it was time to share them with people yeah maybe it was just um, too personal still you know so, and I, you know, I wish I, I had done this earlier, but uh, let's let's figure out the math here. Let's figure out. So Beck is forty eight right now. He's born in nineteen seventy. So okay, that's easy. He's born in nineteen seventy. So he was approaching thirty in the year two thousand, right? Okay. So nineteen. Let's say nineteen ninety nine. That year is when all this went down. So nineteen ninety nine was when. Uh, the album Mutations came out. So this was right after the success of Odile. You know, he's got all these songs in his head. He, he's, he spits them out on paper. He wasn't ready to share it with the world. A couple years go by, and that's when we actually see this album come to fruition. So i got a quote here from him. He says here, uh, So this album was written in a short period of time, probably a couple of days. That's why it has such a mood. Uh, it's all of one time, except for a couple of songs. I always wrote more personal stuff. I just didn't think anybody wanted to hear it. Uh, I actually tried to make an album similar to this right before I did Odile, but it was a weird time for me, um, that initial wave after the first record. Um, so it just wasn't the right time, you know? So I thought that was interesting, and, and I've heard interviews with him where, like, that happens a lot with with him you know he's he's just constantly writing and he just kind of figures out the right time to release it um so let's dive into our first pick 
I'm going to play track two for us. I've got a couple clips from it. Uh, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, I'm shocked that it was never released as a single. This song is called Paper Tiger. Just like a paper tiger Torn apart by idle hands Through the helter-skelter morning Fix yourself while you still can No more ashes to ashes No more cinders from the sky I just love the mood that this album has, you know. I feel like they knocked it out of the park, man. Well, okay, um, let me ask you let me ask you this. So like that had a different feeling to me than the opening track. Mm-hmm. The guitar sting that comes out of nowhere. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I thought that was kind of cool. And then like the, yeah, the like sort of the orchestrated type moment the, that the comes string, in. Yeah. The I strings. mean, you know, that sort of that those two elements sort of give you this sort of like um like i don't know off kilter like unbalanced feeling yeah which maybe matches the lyrics i don't know what the lyrics are but if you're going through a breakup you're going up and down you know your emotions and stuff yeah and um so one thing that that i found out recently i didn't know this but uh nigel godrich which we all know is you know to radiohead what uh George Martin. Fucking George Martin is to the Beatles, right? Yeah. Uh, he produced this record with Beck. Um, Around the same and, time that Hail to the Thief came out, too. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because we just we just talked about them in our last full-length episode. It's, it's fucking meant to be, dude. None of this was... I didn't do this on purpose, man. I was, I've been wanting to do Sea Change since we started this uh, podcast, man. Um, but no, it's it's great. Like, you know, Beck set out to, like, he, he wanted this record to have just a, a certain, like, feeling and vibe. And a lot of that was acoustic-based, right? And you've got these stringed instruments. You know, in in all this, these songs, his his vocals are just right there. Yeah. We've talked about that with, with a lot of the Radiohead albums. Like, it's just one thing that you notice is just uh, Tom York's vocals. Like, especially when you're listening to the record in your earbuds, you know, in headphones. Like, it just kind of jumps out at you. And it's always very uh, raw and vulnerable feeling. And I think it's such a perfect way to to share an album with songs that are so personal. Yeah, right to, show, to showcase emotions uh, related to a breakup. Yeah. But yeah, we talked about... Um, the the vocal stuff with with Tom York specifically it started with um, exit music for a film on on OK Computer is when Nigel decided to put put his vocals like front and center in the in the mix you know that's kind of when yeah. it started so like yeah it's a 
it's a trick that Nigel uses, you know what I mean? And so, right. It, you know, I, you're probably right that like that was intentional, um, just to match the, the mood and the lyrics, you know, and just like, Hey, this is personal stuff here. You know, let's, let's bring those vocals up to the, up to the front so that you can feel like you're, you're having this, uh, moment with Beck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So clip two has a really cool guitar solo and that's pretty much why I want to play it. So here is clip two from paper tiger. And that's the end of the song. And you know what? I feel like I misspoke, dude. Because that was a fucking violin, like, stringed instrument solo. I mean, there was a guitar (laughs) solo, though. There was a guitar solo, but, like, man, what a killer. Like, you don't usually think about those kind of instruments as having uh, time to shine in a song for a solo. But holy shit, that was fucking cool. So I'm I'm looking at the personnel listed for this record, and I don't see... Uh, like stringed instruments listed. Um, what? Well, as like uh, you know, as far as like you know, he, he must have worked with uh, like an actual orchestra or something like that. But like yeah. the strings for track two are not credited to any one individual. Well, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, Beck's father, his name's David Campbell. He provided string arrangements. Well, it's that, so, well. I'm looking at the personnel listing, and it says David Campbell uh-huh. stringer string arrangement for track seven, oh, only okay. for track seven. Okay, track two. Now, interestingly enough, we talk about Nigel Godrick. He actually played the keys and provided some of the percussion on this track. Cool. Yeah, so that's one of my favorite favorite songs on this record. Um, we're gonna jump ahead here. We're gonna we're gonna skip quite a few songs. Uh, the next song I'm going to play is uh, track six. It is called End of the Day. This is one of those songs, dude. The lyrics just fucking get me, man. Like, you can totally relate. Like, even if it's not something that you've gone through yourself, these are these are lyrics that you can totally relate to, man. So, again, this is track six on the album. It is called End of the Day.
So, do you know what he's singing about? I had the lyrics pulled up while the song was playing, so I, I was reading them along with the song. Because, I mean, it's I mean, one of those things where end of the day is probably a metaphor for something. Either no, the... no, no, dude. No? All, All right. right. All right. I, got, I got this. All right, let's hear it. I got this. Okay. So, remember now. All these songs were... The majority of these songs were written within a couple of days, you know? Yeah. All of this is literally about... His feeling, you know, like like his headspace, you know, and his day to day after being uh, dumped, you know, when he says, so the lyrics, I've seen the end of the day come too soon. Not a lot to say, not a lot to do. Um, That sounds that's that's a state of depression, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, it's 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 the whole like I. I don't want to get out of bed even, you know? Yeah. Like my day has not even started yet and it's already the end of the day, you know? The next verse, I've seen the end of the day come too late. I've seen the love you had turning into hate. Yeah, dude, he's just, he's, he's just dealing with the aftermath of this breakup. Um, and I really like the lyrics. Uh, I, I guess it's the chorus. Um, right before I faded it out, he says, it's nothing that I haven't seen before, but it still kills me like it did before. It's like, it's not like I haven't been dumped before, you know, but yeah. like going through this again, it's just as, it's just as bad as the first time around. Like it just, you know, it kills me just the same. Yeah. It's never fun. Yeah. I, I, I can't even get the fuck out of bed. I don't even know what to do with my day. Um, oh, and fuck, the day's already over. Like, the, the whole day has been wasted in my thoughts and emotions, you know? Yeah. I just love this song, and I love it because of the lyrics. Like, it's it's a pretty simple, straightforward song Other otherwise, you know? Like, there's nothing too... I like the twangy guitar, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um But yeah, I just... It's, it's another one of the songs for me, dude. So... A few things I, I thought, some, some quotes from uh, from a few articles I've read that I really liked. Um, I've got a quote from an uh, online publication called Diffuser. Uh, this guy writes, you know, these weren't songs by which to slit your wrists. These were dispatches from a survivor. I really like that. Hmm. Um, and then you've got an article from The Rolling Stone by... David Frick, which I am familiar with now, dude. Enough, uh, so many artists that we've covered. There's a David Frick article for them on Rolling Stone. He's one of those um, contributors and and writers. He's just he's everywhere, dude. Um, I always love what he has to say. Uh, for this uh, album, he says the clarity of his crisis has a lot to do with the naked strength of Beck's singing. For someone who started out as a teenage folk hobo, just voice and strum, Beck has rarely walked this far out in front of the music on his own records. And considering his eternal high school looks, he possesses a surprisingly manly tenor, a clean, deep instrument of lust and worry. And goddamn, is that not fucking true, dude? Especially when you listen to this album. Well, it's, that's really funny that he uh, that he said um, 
his eternal high school looks because he looks the exact same. <laughs> I know. You yeah. know, over a decade later. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple more clips for for you. So hold on a, a minute. More I wanted to, I wanted to get back. Okay, go. I wanted go to get back to the lyrics real quick because, you know, yes, like like I think you're probably right that this is literally about the day, right? Obviously, it could also be a metaphor for, for for the relationship or whatever. But like, is there any hope at the end of the song? I don't think there is, right? No. I don't. Uh, so he is like he's I, not even at the point where he he can see some light. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. that's how deep he was when he wrote these lyrics in that state of depression. You know, where it's like it's never gonna yeah. get better. You know, and you know I haven't like I haven't read all of the lyrics. Like I haven't gone from track one all the way to to the last track reading all the lyrics. You know, like I don't know if there is any light in this album. Yeah, is there any? But hope? I do. You know, I do like how you know what this what this one guy was saying. At the same time, these these aren't songs by which to slit your wrists. Like, well, that's what I yes, was asking a, about because if the guy was saying, "Hey, this these are letters from a or dispatches from a survivor," that to mm-hmm. me means, "Hey, he made it out on the other end of this and is telling us yeah. that, hey, I survived. It's going to be all right." So there probably are. There's got to be some lyrics somewhere on this album that give hope. When when I read that, and and you know, being more familiar with this album than you are. I feel like what he's saying is, you know, this is an album that, like, you know, the great thing about music and about um, albums, really, um, in some cases, a lot of times you can listen to an album and find uh, parallels with what you're going through. Yeah, that's true. Like, I feel like this, you know, I feel like Sea Change is one of those albums that is a great companion for someone that's going through something like this. And yeah, it's fucking sad. It's really depressing. Um, but it's something that you can relate to. Um, and you know, it can help you help you get through it. Well, yeah, we even talked about that with, um, with Radiohead on heel to the thief with, uh, one song in particular where Tom York even said, like, I'm not even sure what this means anymore. I wrote it so long. I think it was where I ended and you begin. He's, you know, he wrote that so long yeah. ago that the meaning yeah. of the lyrics even changed for him over time, you know? So it's like, if it's true for the, for the people that wrote the lyrics, as far as like, Hey, this is, you know, it's up for interpretation. Yeah. That's sort of the beauty of music is that, you know, everybody can listen to the same song and, and have different takeaways from it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving along, um, I got a couple of clips for you for this one. This is track 10 on the album. It is called Sunday Sun. Yeah, what a great song. I um but we were just talking about hope. I I feel like there's hope in this song because the lyrics are straight up saying yesterday is ending Sunday sun. 
as in like to me i'm interpreting that as you know sunday is the first day of the week right so like the yeah. week is ending the shit that i'm going through is ending tomorrow there's gonna be some sun it's the beginning of a new week you know what i mean that's how i'm taking it as but like there could be other interpretations obviously but i like i like the first lyric the first verse too he says haven't got a lot to learn and my eyes they stray again looking for a satellite in the rays of heaven again i feel like that's you know part of those like the grass is greener type scenarios right he's always looking for he's always looking to the clouds daydreaming or something yeah maybe i mean that's another one of those up for interpretation lyrics but yeah and you know like that's what i read too with with um you know uh reviews of this album and, and you know people that you know around the time that this was released music journalists and whatever who are familiar very familiar with beck like uh, the thing about most of his albums prior to this is you know the lyrics were really um abstract you know but for a lot of these songs they're very straightforward but yeah like you're saying this this is one of those that it's kind of up in the air but but for sure dude anytime you're singing about the sun uh in the positive light yeah the sun is rarely used to to describe depression you know what i mean yeah like if you're talking about well, dude, sun to me that means hey the depression the depression is is clearing you know there's some sun there's some hope yeah no but like this is reminding me of our episode on uh, Fleet Fox's Helplessness Blues. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, man. Uh, for uh, the shrine slash an argument? Yes. When absolutely. he's singing about uh, terrible sunlight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, if, you, if you're depressed, you fucking, you know, open up your blinds and, and you are blinded by the sun. You're like, fuck, fuck all this, man. I, you know, there's nothing good about this. I'm just going to go back to bed. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, not even the sun can uh, can brighten your mood. Can yeah, it can get you out of this funk. Yeah. So I don't exactly remember why I decided to do two clips for this song, but I seem to remember there being a really cool build up in this song, and I I kind of just like the way it it progresses. So here is clip two for Sunday Sun. Just kind of goes to shit, right? Well, yeah, that's actually kind of cool because yeah. that that you know, there's not much distortion in this album, so the fact that he chose to end end it with some distortion is kind of interesting. Yeah. So, and and you know, we're we're approaching the end of the album here. Um, yeah, dude. So, I don't have an outro for this episode. I'm going to instead play uh, one of my favorite songs on this record from start to finish as our outro. So yeah, that's it for today. Uh, I I feel like Beck might be one of the only artists, I mean, okay, definitely one of the only artists I can think of that's done something like this. You know, like with the path that he took um, from loser and from that fame on, deciding to steer away and and go this path. Like even just for one album, like to be to share something like this with his fans because he had fans at this point you know he's definitely a unique um artist you know i feel like he reinvents himself all the time 
the fact that he, you know, it's funny that he even said like, hey, I had so I've written songs like this before. I just didn't feel like the right time to 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 release them like, you know. Yeah. Maybe that's because he just felt like it wasn't the right time with with his like where he had reached with his fame and stuff. Like, you know, if this was his second album, you know, the, the fans may not have uh embraced it as much, you know. Cuz like, yeah. you know, Odele and and Mellow Gold well, shit, there's four albums that came out before this one. But yeah, um, yeah. you know. Actually, but that's what he said. He said that he had written songs like this back then, right? In that era of Beck, like the Odele and Mellow Gold era, he had some songs yep. like this. Yeah, so that does make more sense. That, like, you know, you know, you don't want to isolate some of your fans. Like, you know. Yeah. So um, there's an album of his called One Foot in the Grave. Uh, and I've listened to this album all the way through. One Foot in the Grave is, you know, kind of like what um, David Frick was saying, you know, this is Beck here, you know. He he was this teenage folk hobo, just voice and strum. Just voice and strum is One Foot in the Grave. Um, it's pretty much just nothing but acoustic. You know, there's there's maybe some drum beats here and there, but nothing nothing crazy. There is a song on One Foot in the Grave called It's All in Your Mind. It's uh, actually on the Japanese bonus uh, release. It's track 17 on the album. Uh, it's All in Your Mind shows up on Sea Change. So this was a, a song that, that, that was released back in 1994, and he, he puts it on uh, Sea Change. It's track 7 on the album. Oh, so he um, had done he had done quite a bit of acoustic stuff then. In yeah. between, yeah, dude. Okay, you know, like he said, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I have all these songs. You know, I can, sometimes I'll kind of hang on to him for a while, you know, if it's not the right time. But like, yeah, he he was doing this like more raw acoustic stuff even earlier on. You know, even in the early nineties, um, it's a different recording. Like 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 the two the two versions of "It's All in Your Mind." It's it's different on Sea Change, um, but very similar. And yeah, that's. Beck's just one of those artists um, that just you know he'll just do what he wants to do and yeah you know I was thinking that I was thinking about that right as you were as you were saying that like trying to classify Beck you know as a like I would I would put him in the class of like his music is uh, art you know what I mean like yeah. it's 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 art and he's a he's an artist more so maybe than a musician. And that's how he can, like, the way he approaches music is, like, no matter what the genre, no matter what the instrument, like, those are all his 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 tools, you know. It yeah. doesn't matter. He's not a, you can't put him in one camp. There's just no way. No, dude. And you know what? Okay, I'm just going to say this, man. Beck's one of the the only artists that I am totally okay with when he raps <laughs> it's never that great <laughs> yeah it's never that great and even in his latest album colors there's a few songs where he raps on it it's not great but i still sure. like it because it's back but that's what i'm talking and, about like you know like good yeah exactly like, it's fucking cool that he fucking does it man whenever he feels inspired he raps and that's that's great <laughs> yeah yeah uh Travis, have you listened to colors no I think I heard the single, uh, and he started rapping, and I, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go beyond that. Well, um, listen to it, dude. It's, it's worth listening to. It's, it's, it's an album that makes you feel good. You know, it's, it's just a great album. It, it's Beck doing what he does, and he set out to make a pop album, and that's what it is. And it's great, man. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just a, a solid record. Um, and Morning Phase, like we mentioned, if you really enjoyed. Uh, what we played for you today for uh, for Sea Change, you'll really like Morning Phase. Um, yeah, dude. So that's it for today. So again, our outro is just going to be more from this album because uh, there's another song on, on here uh, called Little One. It's the second from the last track. I think it might be my favorite one on the album. And I tried to like piece together, you know, I, I tried to make a couple clips from it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty much playing the whole song. It's kind of it's kind of long. It's it's like it's a good four and a half minutes, you know. So I didn't want to just play a full song and get back into it, you know. So I figured we could just play us out. 
with this song. Um, so check back next week. We will have our sidetrack episode up. Um, we'll we'll find an artist to go along with uh, with this album. You know, with with these vibes, uh, and then we'll be back in a month. I'm sorry, two weeks from now. We'll have our our next full length album. <laughs> I always say album, dude. Our next full length episode is going to be Radioheads in Rainbows. That'll be our last Radiohead episode for a while, and we've got ourselves a guest uh, for once. Did you just say time. what I think you just said? We've got ourselves a guest. Wow. Yeah, dude. And it's not. It's not some. It's not part. It's not part of the fam. You know, like we we had our brother on for episode four, I believe. Yeah, let's just uh, let's just put it that Foo way. Fighters. Let's put it that way. This is our first guest that's not a family member. Yeah, so it's a pretty big yeah. deal. Pretty big deal. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. So uh, a good friend of uh, Travis's. Um, I don't know the guy, but you know what? I feel like he's already a friend. <laughs> oh yeah, his name's Nathan. He was uh, in Travis's. Band. No, no, no. Look, I was no, in sorry. his Not band. Not your band. Yeah, yeah, you were in his band. He uh, he was the front man for a, a band called Grass Fight. Uh, and I, I played guitar with him for like a flash in the pan. It was like, you know, three, four months. But, um, you know, I would say that more so than anything, he is the biggest Radiohead fan uh, that you perhaps will ever meet. Dude, he, yeah, he, um, so we did like a little test recording uh, last week with him just to make sure we could get it all. So Nathan's in California. I'm, I'm up here in Washington. Travis is in Texas. So we try, we had to try to figure out how to make this work because all three of us are in different locations. Um, and dude, he was just dropping knowledge, man. Just dropping knowledge. Yeah. Um, he proved, he proved instantly um, that, that he knows more than Radiohead, more about Radiohead than we do. Um yeah vast amounts yeah, and, more and, and you had reached out to him when we first started this podcast yeah, yeah. and he said and he was I, like dude he, let me i want to get on let me you know let me join you guys for your in rainbows episode yeah he, he said either put me on for the okay cupid shit for the okay, <laughs> okay <com> cupid. <laughs> for okay computer or in rainbows and we had already recorded the okay computer record so so yeah. it's going to be a great way to end our our radiohead fest um within rainbows with a guest who knows a shit ton about radiohead and we're going to go track by track on this album which is something we've never done before so it's going to be a lengthy episode but but yeah, yeah it's, i'm excited you know, man we're going to dive right into it it's going to be a good time but in yep. between uh this episode and that one well, we will of course have a sidetrack episode um Q, do you know what it's going to be yet i do but i'm not going to share that knowledge bro Okay. I'm not spilling beans, man. I, I, I'm all about keeping the beans where they are, you know? Where would that be, exactly? I don't know. where In, in the place that you keep your beans. <laughs> <laughs> in the pantry? Know. Yeah. Do you guys all have right, a bean so, jar or something? I don't have a bean jar, okay? All right. But I'm not spilling them, dude. So, as always... Hop onto our website, nofillerpodcast.com. There we've got our show notes for each episode. Uh, you can stream each episode directly from our website. We've got our SoundCloud players on there. Um, you can even find us on uh, pretty much any podcast app that you got. We should be on there, I hope. Um, and uh, again, we're going to wrap this episode up with... Um, Another song from Sea Change. Uh, we're going to play it in its entirety. Um, again, it's called Little One. Uh, maybe my favorite song on the album. So until next time, my name's Quentin. And my name is Travis. Change the way 
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, 
the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.